0: Well good morning again. happy Easter, everyone. It's good to see you all. Good to have you. I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord with you all this morning. Um, today is a it's a big day for us. It is Loaded with meaning. It means so much. Today is the basis of our faith. It's the basis of everything we believe to be true uh, about God, and and I'm so excited to be be celebrating with you today. Um, We are going to dive into the scriptures in just a moment, but um, as I was preparing uh, the message this week, it it made me think about being a dad, and I wanted to share the, some of the thoughts I had with you um, I, so i I grew up um, I grew up largely without my dad. My mom and my dad were divorced when I was two years old and um, and my dad was basically out of my life ever since and so most most of my childhood it was me, my mom, and my brothers and I can remember as a kid, I always wanted to be a dad, so that one day like I could, like, right that wrong in my life, right? I wanted to be a dad so bad because I never had one. And so um, I dreamed about it. I always thought about what it would be like, how it would be for me, the things I would say, that kind of thing. Um, And I could actually even remember as a teenager having the thought, like, how hard can it be to be a dad, right? Like how, how hard can it be? You throw a football around, you, you give some advice, like how hard can it be? And so like just as I got older, the dream kept growing and the dream kept growing and, and I, I really just, I mean it was one of my biggest dreams to become a dad and then uh, I got married and a few years after we got married, um, my wife Robin was pregnant and we, we were gonna have our first kid together and the dream was coming true. I was gonna be a dad finally, and then on July 11th, 2014, at 11:53 p.m., my my son, my first child, Titus, was born, and I'm holding my dream in my hands, and I'm like, yes, this is so awesome, so great. Well, really soon after that, I discovered what it actually meant to be a dad. <laughs> I discovered that being a dad isn't just holding my son and talking baby talk to him. Being a dad isn't just going out and throwing a football and giving timely advice. Being a dad means I now have the responsibility of changing poopy diapers. I now have the responsibility of clean, cleaning up vomit. Um, I now have the responsi- half the responsibility of late night feedings, um, you know, two in the morning, My son won't sleep, he won't stop crying, and it's my responsibility to be up with him so she can get some rest so she's not wasted the next day. You know, like, that's what it meant to be a dad, and I had no idea. I had no idea what it meant to be a dad until I actually got in it, until I actually started, like, doing it. And um, being a dad meant that I was now responsible for the survival of an entire other human person, and that's terrifying. That's terrifying if you don't realize that going in. And so um, I thought I understood what it meant to be a dad. I thought I knew, but I actually had no idea. I actually, actually had no idea what it meant to be a dad. And, and I want to ask you this morning, have you ever been in a situation like that? Maybe it was just like me. You, you thought you had an idea of what parenthood was going to be or what it was supposed to be. But then you actually do it, and it's way different than what you thought, or, or maybe there's way more to it than, than what you realized, or maybe for you as a job, maybe you, you accepted a job thinking, man, I know exactly what this job is going to be, and I know exactly how I'm going to do it and all that, and then you get into the job and you realize, man, there's way more to it than I thought. Maybe it's something else. Maybe for you it's uh, marriage. Maybe you go into marriage thinking, man, it's going to be rainbows and butterflies, and it's going to be so good, and then you actually start being married, and you realize marriage is actually a lot of work. Maybe, maybe that's you. Maybe, maybe it's something else completely, but the result is still the same. Like, man, like I thought I knew this thing, but I actually didn't understand. I actually didn't know fully what it meant. What about Faith. What about your relationship with god did maybe maybe you were taught at a young age what a relationship with god is supposed to be what it's supposed to look like and then and then as you get older you find out man there's a lot more to it than maybe what i was taught or there's a lot more to it than i thought i knew what about the death and resurrection of jesus that's what today is about celebrating the death and resurrection of jesus but do we fully understand what it means for us? Do we fully grasp what the death and resurrection of Jesus means for us today? And that's what I want to talk about. What if, what if the death and resurrection of Jesus, there's something deeper to it? What if there's, there's more layers to it than just forgiveness, right? Oh, it means Jesus forgave my sins, Yay. What if there's more to it than that? Now, I'm not trying to downplay forgiveness. It's really That's really important. But what if there's more to it than just forgiveness? What if there's more layers? What if there's more meaning to it than just that? That's what I want to talk about today. But before um, I dive into the scriptures, let's pray this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we love you. We thank you, God, for what this day means. And we um, submit to you today. We say, have your way. Speak to us today through your word. God, help us to understand what what the death and resurrection of your son really means for us. We love you. We give you praise. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. If you have a Bible this morning, you can open it up or turn it on to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. If you don't happen to have a Bible or the Bible app on your phone, we'll have the scriptures up on screen. But if you do have it, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 1 this morning. It says this, the old system under, under the law of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, but they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped, for the worshipers would have been purified once for all time, and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But instead, those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year. For it is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. That is why, when Christ came into the world, he said to God, You did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings but you've given me a body to offer. You were not pleased with burnt offerings or other offerings for sin. Then I said, look, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written about me in the scriptures. First, Christ said, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin offerings or burnt offerings or other offerings for sin, nor were you pleased with them, though they were required by the law of Moses. Then he said, look, I have come to do your will, he cancels the first covenant in order to put the second into effect. So there's a there's a lot going on here. There's a, a lot of things going on here. And the, the writer of, of Hebrews explains that sacrificing bulls and goats is not sufficient for taking away our sins. It's not sufficient for for cleaning what's unclean. The old system needed to be replaced. And Christ knew this, and the author of the book of Hebrews identifies that God never wanted animal sacrifices. That's not what he wanted. He never wanted that. Uh, Jesus knew that a perfect sacrifice was needed to, to satisfy the requirement of God's law once for all time. Jesus knew that, and that's what he said here. And then verse 9 says that he cancels the first covenant in order to put the second covenant into effect. Many people understand this as now like the law is invalid, and that's not what it says. It doesn't say the law, he cancels the law. It says he cancels the first covenant, meaning that the law still stands, but the way we observe it and fulfill it is now different. It's now changed forever. This is a huge deal. This is a huge deal for our faith. Verse 10, for God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. There he waits until his enemies are humbled and makes a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. And the Holy Spirit also testifies that this is so. For he says, this is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. Then he says, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. And when sins have been forgiven, there's no need for any more sacrifices. So the old covenant, the the old system of priests daily offering animal sacrifices of bulls and goats and other animals to try to cleanse sin, to try to cover uncleanness, it just wasn't working. It wasn't doing the job And that has been canceled by Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, came as the perfect sacrifice to do away with that old system and to cover our sins once for all time. Praise God. Praise God for that incredible gift. Today is Easter Sunday, 2023, and today is about celebrating the death and resurrection of Jesus, the perfect sacrifice to cover our sins. That's what this day is. We should celebrate today. We should take time today to dwell on that and and meditate on that and recognize that this is a huge day for us. This is what our faith is all about. We should celebrate. But what does it actually mean for us? What does this day actually mean for us? What does it mean when, when it says he cancels the old covenant and, and makes a new covenant, what does the death and resurrection of Jesus mean for our faith today? There are three things that I want to talk about today that, that, answers, that, that partly answers that question. There's so many, so many answers to that question, but there are three things that I want to talk about today to answer that question. What does the death and resurrection of Jesus mean for us? The first thing is it means that we have atonement. The death and resurrection of Jesus means that we have atonement. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 10 says this, For God's will was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Christ once for all time. One offering made perfect those who put their faith and trust in Jesus for all time. One offering. And and this being made perfect through this this being made perfect is through atonement. Now, atonement is a really like old school churchy word. And um, I don't know about you, but it, it like evokes a lot of memories about my traditional church background growing up in Catholic church. But uh, atonement is very important for us to understand what it is. And it's very important to our faith. And so um, I, I think we should understand what it means. And I wanna talk about that really quickly. The The dictionary defines atonement as reparation for an offense or injury. So so basically, if I do something wrong to somebody, making it right is atonement. But what the Bible means when it talks about atonement is is way more layered than that. It's it's bigger than that. That's definition from the dictionary. is not a complete picture of what the Bible means when it talks about atonement. When the Bible talks about atonement, the best way to describe it is a covering over. It, It covers over like like you take a sheet and you just you just cover it over like and you make it to where like you can't see it, right? And that's what atonement is. And and when the priests would make sacrifices with bulls and goats, what they're doing is they're trying to cover the sin and uncleanness of the people so that God wouldn't see it. That's that's what it uh, represents. But it didn't it didn't work. It didn't last. It, it needed to keep happening and keep happening. And and they we we they understood like man, we need a uh, a sacrifice that's going to take care of this covering over once for all time. Remember what Jesus said in in verse 5. He said, you did not want animal sacrifices or sin uh, offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. Jesus offered his body as the perfect sacrifice for atonement once for all time. His sacrifice covered over everything. It covered over the sin and the uncleanness. Well, Pastor Ryan, what what did Jesus' resurrection Atoned for. What what did it cover? It's a great question. The answer is this. Every sin you have ever committed, everything wrong you have ever done, the death and resurrection of Jesus has covered. Everything wrong you do right this moment, the death and resurrection of Jesus has covered. Everything wrong you will ever do, the death and resurrection of Jesus has covered it. It's atoned for. It's, It's made clean in the eyes of God. That lie you told last week? covered. That money you stole from your mom's purse when you were 10, covered. The um, drugs that people abuse, covered. The hate that you have in your heart for your worst enemy, covered. The hateful things you said to the person across the political aisle, covered. Everything we have ever done are doing, will ever do is covered by this, this day, the death and resurrection of Christ. Every single thing that you've ever done, good, bad, or indifferent, is now covered because of what happened this day 2,000 years ago. But the really cool thing about the atonement that the offering, or that, that the sacrifice of, that Jesus made is, it doesn't just cover it, it removes it completely and makes it like it never happened. That's what Jesus' sacrifice did for us. It removes it completely like it never even happened. This is why this day is such a big deal. The resurrection of Christ makes it possible for us to stand before God blameless and spotless. What a big day for us. What a big day. Praise God. So why is the new covenant greater than the old covenant? What does the death and resurrection of Jesus mean for us? It means that we have atonement for everything for all time. We no longer have to work Day day by day, year after year, trying to cover our sins anymore. Jesus' sacrifice has done that. The death and resurrection of Jesus also means this. We have been made holy. We've been made holy. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14 says this. By that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. This one action by this one man made us perfect. The people who put faith and trust in Jesus, we are perfect in the eyes of God because of what Jesus did for us. Because of what this day means, we're perfect in the eyes of God when our faith and trust is in Jesus. We're holy. This is a a loaded word, um, and a lot of people misuse this word, holy, and there are people who have actually left church because of this word, holy, and um, I want us to understand what holy actually means, what it is. Um this one word uh has come to mean something so sacred over time that you can't really talk about it. It's like man, it's it's so um so heavenly that no words can describe what holy actually means. But the way the Bible talks about holiness is actually a lot It's simpler. It's different than than what it's come to mean. The word holy in the original language the Bible was written in is Kadesh, and it it means this, apartness, set apartness, separateness. The biblical definition of holy is to be different. It's to be different from the rest of the world. That's what it means to be holy, different from the rest of the world. God is different from the rest of his world, and we as his children are supposed to be different from the rest of the world. We're supposed to look different when compared to people who don't know Christ. And the death and resurrection of Jesus made us holy. That our, our faith in him, our trust in him makes us different. The way we live, the way we conduct ourselves, the way we talk, the way we think is supposed to be different from the rest of the world. See, we're, we're supposed to be different from the rest of the world, um, and it's only possible, holiness is only possible through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Before the death and resurrection of Jesus, the only way to be made holy was to observe all 613 of God's laws to the letter perfectly every single day that's the only way to be holy before jesus i don't know about you but i can't do that it's not possible for me i can't observe 613 laws to the letter perfectly every single day i can't do that we we needed help we needed somebody to make it possible for us to be holy And Jesus' death and resurrection did that. No matter how good you are or no matter who you think you are, you can't do it on your own. You needed Jesus to make it possible for you. Thank God he did. What's the significance of being made holy? What's the purpose of us being different? What's the purpose of us being holy now? Well, as Christ's children as as a holy people set apart from the rest of the world we stick we should stick out like a sore thumb everywhere we go we should look different people should know that there's something different about us everywhere we go we get to be the hands and feet of jesus we get to reflect the love and the grace and the mercy of god to a hurting and broken world that's what it means to be holy what an incredible privilege we've been given All made possible because the death and resurrection of Jesus that we're celebrating today. Praise God. Here's the thing, though. We don't have to try to be holy. So many Christ followers uh, believe that when they make the decision to follow Christ, they now have to work to become a better person. They now have to work to become more holy, more like Christ. And that's not what we just read that's not what the scriptures say. There's a quote I want to share with you from Mother Angelica. Mother Angelica was a uh, a Roman Catholic nun and she was famous for having her own TV show and she said this about holiness. I wanted to share it with you. It says, "Every Christian who strives for a holiness of life experiences dryness of soul." It is to most people a heart-rending experience. It is a paradox. For the soul becomes confused when it realizes the harder it strives, the further away Jesus seems to be. The harder the soul strives, the further away Jesus seems to be. This is an incredible statement, and it is a paradox. It's confusing. It doesn't make sense because we we like to work for what we get. Like it's, it's ingrained in us. If you want something, you work for it, right? You can't, you can't just take a handout. Well, that's... Scripture is telling us there's nothing we can do to earn it. There's nothing we can do to become holy, that the, the resurrection of Jesus is what makes us holy. So many people strive and toil and work to try to become what they can never become on their own. And the whole time, we've already been made holy by the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross. That's what today represents. That's what, that's what it means for us That's what the death and resurrection of Jesus means for us. That's why the the new covenant is greater than the old covenant. The last thing I want to talk about uh, today is this. The death and resurrection of Jesus uh, means that we have victory. It means that we have victory. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 12 says this, But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time." Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. The death and resurrection of Jesus means that we have victory over sin and death forever. Forever. It can never be taken away from us when our faith and trust remain in him. No longer do we have to just accept being slaves to sin. No longer do we have to accept the inevitability of spiritual death we have victory over that because of what this day means for us, because of what happened this day 2,000 years ago. I've heard some people say, well, Pastor Ryan, victory over, over death, like, well, if God loved humans, why does he send people to hell? I've, I've heard people say that before. If, if God really loved people, why would he send us to hell? Because like because the, the death and resurrection of Jesus is to keep us from going to hell. Well, if he really loved us, he wouldn't send people to hell. This is a gross misunderstanding of, of, of God and us and, and sin and our relationship with like, it. that is a, a complete misunderstanding of how this all works. God's desire is that no one should perish but that everyone would repent and come back home to him. That's his desire. He's constantly fighting for the furthest heart. Um, I heard a seminary student turned atheist say once that he walked away from faith uh, because he couldn't believe in a God that would send people to hell. And that broke my heart because he has a fundamental misunderstanding of Of the truth. There's a fundamental misunderstanding there of of how it all works. He believes that God sends people to hell, but what is actually happening is humanity is on their way to hell on their own, and God is trying to rescue us. See, when when Adam and Eve sinned in Genesis, like they, they disobeyed and sin entered the world, it separated us from God. And ever since that moment, humanity has been on a road to hell and God is throwing us a lifeline saying, I don't want you to go there. I want to save you. Humanity is on their way to hell of their own doing and God is trying to save us. God's not sending anybody. God sent his son to save us. He sent his son to give us victory over sin as a way out of that destiny. God isn't sending people to hell. He's trying to rescue people. He's offering us victory through the death and resurrection of his son. Uh, Worship team, you can come back to the platform. We are free from the grip of sin and death if we want to be. We are free from the grip of sin and death if we want to be. All we have to do is put our faith and trust in Jesus. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. Faith and trust, that's what it takes to have victory in our lives. Could you imagine, just, just for a moment, just, just for a moment, imagine that every single thing you've ever done wrong has been wiped away. There's no record of it anywhere. No, one, no one's ever going to, like, pull it out of the archives to, like, then rub, it, rub your nose in it. Like, it's all been wiped away forever. You've never done anything wrong. What if, what if we could actually live that way with that kind of atonement, uh, uh, that, that removal of our sin, right? Uh, Psalm chapter 103 verse 12 says this, He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. In the realm of space and time, east is an infinite distance from west. East is an infinite distance from re- west and that's the distance that God has removed our sins from us, an infinite distance away from us. We no longer are bound by sin and death. We have, been, we have atonement, it's been atoned for, it's been covered, it's been removed through the death and resurrection of Jesus. What if we've really been made holy? What if that's true? What if, what if we truly are set apart for the glory of God? What if that's true? How differently would you live your life? How differently would you interact with family members? How differently would you interact with uh, friends, with coworkers, with classmates, with complete strangers? How differently would you live your life if you were already if you believe that you are already holy. Could you imagine actually living in victory? Actually living like we've already won, like we're not fighting anymore, like we're not striving anymore, we've won. What if we could actually live like that? This this makes me think of uh, football. Uh, (laughs) Unfortunately, everything kind of goes back to football for me. I am kind of obsessed with it. Um, But I think... When I, was talk, when I was putting this together, I thought about a football team. And um, if there's ever a football game that gets out of hand and one team is just winning really big, right, has a large lead, toward the end of the game, they start acting different. You see them on the sideline, they're smiling, they're laughing, they're joking around, they're having a great time. Why? Because they know victory is theirs. They know victory is in the palm of their hand and it's only a matter of time what if we could start living that way what if we could start living that way like victory is ours and it's only a matter of time we can we just have to put our faith and trust in jesus you don't have to strive to become a better person you're made holy by the death and resurrection of jesus and his love changes us we don't have to change to become closer to god we have to get closer to god and he'll he'll do the work what if what if we could live our lives with that atonement what if we could live our lives knowing that we've already been made holy what if we could live our lives living in that victory what if that's what the death and resurrection of jesus means for us that's why the new covenant is greater than the old covenant because we have atonement now we've been made holy now and we have victory now let me pray for you this morning Father, we love you. We give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor this morning, God, and we thank you. We thank you for doing the work to make us right in your eyes. You've done all the work. All you require is that we we trust you. All we require is that we put our faith in you. I pray today, God, um, that you would enable us, that you would help us, empower us to live with that atonement mindset. Empower us to live with that holy mindset. Empower us to live with that victory mindset because it's ours, God, when our faith is in you. Thank you, God. Thank you for what this day represents, God. Thank you for making a way to you. We love you. We give you glory, God. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. What I want to do right now is I want to Uh, I want us to observe communion. Um, This is about what this day represents as well. Jesus' body being broken for us. Jesus' blood being spilled for us. And I want us to observe this together this morning so you can prepare your emblems. I want to uh, read a portion of 1 Corinthians 11 to you before we participate in this though. It says this, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. So anyone who eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner is guilty of sinning against it. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with God, today's the day where everything can change for you. Today's the day where you can receive that atonement. Today's the day where you can be made holy in the eyes of God. Today's the day where you can begin living in victory. And before we go any further, I, I want I want to give everyone an opportunity to be made right in the eyes of God by putting their faith in him in this moment. And so if that's you, you're here today, You maybe maybe you don't have a relationship with God or maybe you're unsure. Or maybe you had a relationship with God at one point and you walked away for whatever reason. If you want to come to him today, you want to come home to God, I want to pray with you. So at the count of three, uh, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand so that I can know who I'm praying with Um uh, don't worry, I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I'm not going to single anybody out or call anyone out. I'm not going to do anything like that. With all heads bowed, all eyes closed, if that's you right now, if that's you right now, you say, Pastor Ryan, I don't have a relationship with God. I'm, I'm unworthy to receive communion right now, but I, I want to put my faith in him. I want him to make me right in the eyes of God. If that's you right now, at the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. One, God loves you so much. Two, he's waiting for you to come home to him. Three, if that's you right now, raise your hand, raise it high so that I can pray with you right here, right now. Okay, this is what I want to do. I want to lead us in a prayer for those who raise their hand or. or Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but, but you thought, man, maybe, maybe I should have raised my hand. This is, I want to lead all of us in a prayer right now of, of repentance and, and to receive Christ. Repeat after me. Say, Father God, today I recognize that I've sinned against you. Today I recognize that I've fallen short of your standard. And I need you to save me. I receive your atonement. I receive that you've made me holy and I've received your victory. Help me to put my trust in you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. In Jesus name. Let's partake of the bread together this morning. This little cup of juice. Represents the blood that was spilled on our behalf to make us right in the eyes of God. Let's remember that today as we partake. Let's partake together. Father God, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you, God, for what it means for us. It means that our sins have been removed. It means that we've been made holy in your eyes, God. It means that we have victory in our lives. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I pray that today can be a celebratory day for you, a celebratory day for us as we remember what you did on our behalf. You tore the veil, God. You removed every barrier and made a way for us to get to you. Thank you, God. We love you. We give you glory. And finally, may the God of peace who brought back again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ all that is pleasing to him, to him be glory forever and ever amen 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 thanks for being here everybody thanks for worshiping with us today happy easter i hope you guys have a great day have a great week we will see you next week